Talk About It Thursdays, brought to you by the Student Relief Team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Talk About It Thursdays. I hope that all of you are doing well and staying safe. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is super important, and let me just tell you now that there are more surprises to come. Now, some of you may already know that we released an episode on empathy versus sympathy um, in the past. However, what you may not know is that empathy is a massive topic and that there's quite a lot that hasn't been discussed yet. With that being said, this week we'll be getting into intellectual empathy. Now, I'm no expert, so I decided to bring someone who I consider to be a mentor on the topic to help us understand a little more. All right, guys, so let's welcome our guest star of the day. Um, this is Dr. Carla Silva on the show. Uh, welcome, Carla. We're so lucky to have you here uh, to speak on intellectual empathy. Um, so before we kind of get into intellectual empathy, since the podcast is about mental health, could you maybe just tell us what mental health means to you, like personally? Oh, okay. Um, okay, I, I, hi, everybody. So... Uh, thank you for the invitation, first of all. I'm not sure if you're lucky to have me, but you'll decide that at the end. Um, what mental health means to me? I'm not going to be able to answer that question because it's one of those so complex that we could talk a lot. I'm not an expert in mental health, so it's not something that I read a lot about. But, you know, I'm a person too, so I, I do have some ideas. And what I can say is... is um, that, okay, these days, I think we are very uncomfortable with the fact that we have a range of emotions as human beings. That goes from being very happy to being very sad, to being angry, frustrated, anxious, and so on. Uh, I think we live at a time where not having positive emotions all the time is seen as bad. And, um, and so some of the things we sometimes call, oh, I'm having mental health issues, I would say they're just part of normal kind of, uh, we're just going through some negative emotions which are natural. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So what is mental health for me? Obviously there are probably um, um, thresholds where you might have a problem you know and then sometimes it's about time how long have you been sad and very sad um and and i recognize yes maybe there's an issue but mental health for me i mean positive mental health is let me see if i can give a quick pointer is a few being comfortable with who you are right and doing something and for me work is very important that you feel is valid meaningful that has some sort of impact in the world um that that those two points are very very important as the big things for my mental health and all the rest you know whether i'm frustrated a bit too stressed a bit anxious those are i see more as kind of normal uh, normal emotions, you know, nobody's happy all the time. I'm pretty happy a lot of the time, <laughs> but sometimes I'm not. So I don't know if that makes sense. 
No, no, that definitely made sense. Um, like I say a lot on this podcast, you know, it's important to feel all the emotions that you feel, all the range of emotions, right? Not Life isn't always going to be completely positive or completely negative, right? It's important to kind of branch out and feel everything. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that was a great definition. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, since like, you know, we're going to be talking about intellectual empathy, could you kind of give us like a brief overview of what intellectual empathy is? Yes, yeah, so so Ishit, I guess you approached me because you've done a course where we talked a lot about intellectual empathy. In that course, uh, intellectual empathy is a tool to get people to uh, fight for social justice in relation to a lot of issues. But uh, when you invited me to do the podcast, you kind of uh, suggested that there is a connection between intellectual empathy and mental health which I hadn't explored before. And I thought, oh, that's a good, that's a good point. And, um, and so uh, probably you have uh, some other things to say as well. What was your question? Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. I forgot. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, oh, what is intellectual empathy? Yeah, what just kind of an overview on what it is, like just kind of your own definition of it um, and maybe kind of its importance. And then we can kind of get into the connection with mental health like later on. Yes, so, so empathy, we kind of, uh, we all have an idea of if, even if we, if we can't give an academic definition of what is empathy. And we all have this um, um, common understanding that is the ability to uh, put ourselves in our, in other person's shoes, to be able to feel what they're feeling, um, to understand, to maybe communicate that we understand. There, there are several authors who give different definitions and different nuances. But intellectual empathy is a little bit different. And I think um, it adds something more, which is um, empathy, I see it as a very emotional capacity. Okay, you're sensitive to other, another person's suffering and when you're, especially people who are very sensitive, you will suffer, okay? And that is problematic even for doctors where people talk a lot about empathy um, because, because at some point you have to have some sort of barrier, otherwise you can't perform. Does that make sense? So, so it's very emotional empathy, but intellectual empathy adds a cognitive component so when you are able to understand um, what another person is feeling, you're actually going to do when you have intellectual empathy, you're going to be able to do it through their eyes, if that makes sense. So it's like you detach from yourself, your biography, your life history, and you are able to uh, creatively imagine and feel to some degree what it is like to be somebody very different. The intellectual part comes because imagine that you are trying to understand the trauma of indigenous populations and you're not indigenous. Now, obviously, you can't completely understand, but you can read. Okay, you can read about the history of colonialism, you can read about um, uh, all the government uh, measures to eradicate indigenous cultures. 
Um, you can talk, you can inform yourself, you can listen to people. And so when you intellectually empathize, you are taking on board all that information. So you're um, connecting emotion and knowledge, if that makes sense. Was that okay? Yeah, I think that was a great definition. Um, so kind of like, yeah, you were right. I did bring you here to like, you know, kind of find that connection between mental health and intellectual empathy. And I kind of saw it in a similar way too, which was how like, um, not only how physicians or healthcare professionals interact with their patients, but also how we interact with each other or, you know, your friends or your family, um, significant others, like really how you interact with people. So in the course that I took with you, we talked about like the five main um, kind of sections of intellectual empathy. And there was um, the invisibility of privilege, there was intersectionality, um, cooperative reasoning. So I'll kind of just like go over how I made connections. But in terms of like healthcare professionals and how they can better understand their patients, things like invisibility of privilege and intersectionality, by looking at those before approaching their patient, they can better understand their patient, I feel. And I was looking at how um, a lot of individuals who perhaps go through um, a mental health decline may come from backgrounds of poverty, right? So being able to understand that, seeing that invisibility of privilege, right? Um, or even that intersectionality and kind of um, creating a therapy plan that kind of goes around that, right? To kind of incorporate their background in the therapy. Um, so there was that. And there was also the other things we discussed was like cooperative reasoning and conditional trust and mutual vulnerability. I'm just listing now, but <laughs> just, I feel like those three go very well with how you talk to people in your lives. So for me personally, cooperative reasoning was kind of the thing that made a big change in my life because how you speak to people, I think a lot of us are so focused on um, let's say we're just talking to a friend and we have disagreements on something. Um, we're so focused on getting our point across that we don't really take the time to listen to the other person. And perhaps they have valid things to say, right? There's things that maybe you didn't think about, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. Um, so being able to kind of look at these different dimensions of intellectual empathy and apply them to even your relationships can, I think, help with not only your mental health, but also someone else's mental health, right? Um, like, let's say someone in your life is uh, going through something like very intense anxiety, and they're not exactly able to like, maybe they see the world a different way. Maybe it's a little more negative than you. But being able to understand that, I think, adds to the level of relationship or like the level of trust you have within each other, because they can see that, you know, you're trying to understand their point of view as well, instead of just being like, oh, no, just be positive and like things like that. So that's kind of how I saw it. Um, but I know you saw it in like a, in a different way. So that's like I want to discuss that as well. Um, but yeah, like we can also talk about what I said and then get into yours. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's so much to unpack and that is difficult to do, to do it in one hour. Um, but you just had several pointers there that would be one hour conversations. So I don't know, I, I would um, suggest that um, you talk about how intellectual empathy is, is helpful for healthcare practitioners to do a better job, right? And so I don't know, maybe 
um, you mentioned the first skill. Uh, first of all, I wanted to refer to the book of Maureen uh, Linker called Intellectual Empathy. Let me give you the name correctly. Um, Critical Thinking for Social Justice. Okay, this is the book that I'm using. Um, I don't think there's anyone else uh, speaking about intellectual empathy, but I, I think she's brilliant. She's a philosopher. And so we are following her. And she proposes that intellectual empathy um, includes five skills, which you, you mentioned. The first one is understanding that privilege is invisible. And as I agree with you, as you said, um, you know, who are the doctors? Who are the healthcare professionals? In our society, most of the times, these are people, um, middle class, <laughs> okay, white background. I'm not saying all of them, that this is a tendency, okay? Because unfortunately, people who have certain social identities have better opportunities for things like access to education. Uh, and so medical doctors, which is, you know, you really need to have a family that is structured so that you have time to study, you need money, you need a, a lot of things to be a doctor. So when you search, when you get a healthcare professional taking care of you, and the person does not realize that their life experiences are so different from yours that it creates a barrier to understanding, um, then there's a problem. And so understanding that it, privilege is invisible, it's really an invitation for us to look at ourselves uh, and see in what ways was I privileged? And how did that privilege create created blind spots? You know, for me, for instance, I'm going to be honest about something and say, I don't understand depression. Really, I don't understand. Because maybe because of my personality, I don't know what it is. I can be sad for two days, but then I'll, I'll just jump. I'll just, whatever, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'm resilient. So I don't understand. But the fact that I recognize I don't understand and I recognize that might be a problem, makes me open to listen that not everybody's like me so and this is applicable as you said to many things like poverty uh, you know there are many many factors mm -hmm. so understanding that this um, privilege is invisible we get that we might be privileged but we don't know <laughs> right so so we have to we have to know we have to know so that then we know what are our blind spots and we can cover them. Reading, listening, you know, there's so many, so much material. Yeah, I was going to go to intersectionality quickly just to provide an example, but is there anything you, I just want to give you a chance to interject. Um, no, I think mess? is this what yeah that's pretty much what i was getting to as well it's just understanding that your background is so much different which is hard to see i feel at times you know when you're just living your life you feel oh it's probably not that different and i i'm sure that a lot of healthcare professionals go through that whole th the training to like understand but i think like intellectual empathy kind of adds to that and i think it should be a part of training as well so that you know i think it's all about like a deeper reflection on yourself and someone else 
um, and kind of how you're different from someone in more than the levels than you know just the surface level there's so much more yes you said that you're sure that people have some training I'm not sure no. I don't think people have any training on empathy I don't I, I don't really think no medical professions I think there's a gap in in uh, you're dealing with people you have to have human skills you know and and that needs to be given more attention so i'm a bit less optimistic there but i also want to say you're right uh and i also want to say that is it's um, research shows uh there's a lot of people saying that we empathize with people much more easily who, with people who are like us yes okay so if you if you look at somebody and you find them very very different you're going to be very quick to judge and when I say judges is something like, oh, it's their fault they're depressed, get better. <laughs> like if it's like easy to do, like if the person doesn't want to get better. Um, and uh, the more distant the person is, the quicker we will make that judgment. It's your fault, right? So, so this, is, this is really important stuff. You're right, it's really important to, to just recognize there's a diversity of ways of living, um, living. Um, and um, yeah, and it's connected to intersectionality. So you were talking about understanding the person in, in the context. Uh, so, so an individual is a reflection of a series of circumstances. Um, and so here we're talking about mental health when you get help, obviously, First of all, for, for somebody who's very poor to have access to mental health is already an issue. Am I right? Yes, I was actually going to say that, you know, not having that privilege and perhaps, you know, living through something like poverty, there's already that barrier. The biggest barrier is not even getting to the help you need, right? Um, but yeah, I was, I was also going to speak about that. Yes, I, I mean, <laughs> if you have... There's so many different situations, but, but uh, financial stability is one of them. If you don't have financial stabilities, how can, stability, how can you do well? You know, if, you know, there's people who don't um, know when they can provide a good meal for their children next. And so you can't do well. So in the course, we talked a lot about how healthcare professionals could have, if well-organized, you know, if there's something in place, they could have a bigger impact upon the circumstances that lead to mental issues, physical issues, health issues. Um, and so you need to know about, about the person, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Intersectionality means that um, the problems, the problems, the issues, the position of a, of a subject will depend on many different things that intersect. So it might be, um, race you know if you're non-white you're more likely to experience uh maybe mental health issues related to discrimination constant stress constant microaggressions okay obviously there will be mental health implications but then if you're non-white and if you're a woman you're even more likely so because there's an added layer of discrimination there um if you're lower social class and you see where this is going if you're not heterosexual and so there's a combination of factors that i think you're right that the, if the healthcare professional knows about them 
then they will be better able to understand and help that person. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's hard to treat someone or rather it's hard to treat multiple people with the same type of therapy or the same type of um, treatment because everyone's so different that you don't like, you know, not everybody who is facing depression is facing it for the same reasons. And so I think understanding intersectionality can help kind of guide that or just the whole, you know, even invisibility of privilege is kind of adding that to the way that healthcare practitioners practice. Um, I think can help, um, but yeah, that's that. That is kind of how I was seeing it as well. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's an intersection of stressors or not. You know, there's also identities that might provide you a bit of cushioning for, from some of the stressors. Um, but but it's complex, and so intersectionality helps people to understand there's complexity and. Uh, it's difficult to manage, but at least you recognize the different aspects. And uh, I think your um, treatment, your approach will probably be more successful if you consider that for sure. And um, then you talked about the model of cooperative reasoning. So uh, culturally, and uh, I'm, I'm Portuguese, we didn't say that. So I spent a lot of my life in Europe uh, I mean, in continental Europe, and then I went to the UK. The UK is a bit more similar to the North America than Portugal, mm -hmm. in that I find people so competitive. So there's a culture of, um, when we have a conversation, it's more like a competition <laughs> to check who is right, who is the rightest person in the end, right? Who's the smartest, who's, and that is so little, you know, it's a bit narcissistic, it's a bit, it doesn't really matter. If we have conversations, it should be, be beneficial for both. It's yeah. childish. I, to I think know. like uh, a way that people describe that is like, and I, we talked about this before, but it was like the listening to listen rather than listening to respond, right? Because people are so focused on, like when someone else is speaking, they're so focused on thinking, okay, what can I say now? You know, that either sounds better or like, what, like how can I respond in a better way and I think everyone's so focused on doing that that they're not really listening to what the person said <laughs> yes yes it's, it's how can I win this argument we're very competitive and I say I'm saying we because obviously I'm in the mix I'm not some kind of illuminated guru um but I've been learning a lot just by teaching the course and, and with the students I, I think I've improved a little too um but but you're right so imagine what if we change the culture what if we start listening to each other you know what will that do to issues of understanding between people who have very different cultures very different ideas of the world uh, but we're so afraid of saying the wrong thing or i don't know there's lots of fears uh, and we do not know how to listen to each other, as you say, that we don't make the most out of these opportunities. So, you know, it, it's, it's a shame. I hope the students take with them some of this because yes, it changes completely relationships. I, I've noticed in my relationships because I'm, I'm very impulsive. And so I go, you know, you say something and I have something. And it's not like I want to win, to be honest. It's like, um, I'm afraid if I don't say it, I'll forget. <laughs> yeah. So what do I do now is, and you can probably hear, um, 
the sound of the paper is uh, Ishiti speaking, and I'm I have something that I think is interesting that I want to say in relation to what you're saying, but rather than interrupting, I'm writing it down and I'm giving you space. Uh, and then yes, and then I go back to focus completely on you again. So I think you're right, it will change completely the dynamic of relationships. Uh, it's important for healthcare professionals, but it's important for everyone to um, learn about diversity, I think it's essential. And we will be so much better people. I mean, wiser, more knowledgeable, because otherwise we just live in this bubble that is my world. You know, my world is right and uh, ignorance is a blessing. You know, if I don't know about stuff, I don't worry. <laughs> I think that what I know is the best because I don't know otherwise, but it's not, it's a little bit of an impoverished way of being, I think. So I like, I like that idea of the model of cooperative reasoning. Um, and um, I'm going to let you speak for a moment <laughs> if you have something to say. Yeah, no, I was I was just basically going to say um, pretty much the same thing, which is, yeah, like a lot of my relationships have been better as well with cooperative reasoning, but it's more on like the <laughs> the arguing part of it where it's like, you know, you don't just argue like it's a debate. It's more about like understanding the other person. And I think that's so important. Not a lot of people realize it. And then again, like it's like deep reflection on yourself, right? It's just sitting there and reflecting and thinking, okay, like how can I make this better and more effective? Because a lot of arguments just go nowhere. It's just, you know, it's, it just becomes a fight and then there's no resolution or there's no- solution. I'm not having those anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just leave the conversation. Yes. You know, I'm not having, because life is too short. Yeah, exactly. Like you, talk, you talk about something that is really important that you start to gain awareness of what you're doing. Yes. Right? You're in a conversation and you're ready to jump and when you gain awareness you go oh hold a moment just let that person finish just give them space yes um, exactly awareness is is important you check you check check with yourself what am i doing you can it's which is good mm -hmm. yeah you, you think you know am, am i really responding um with something that's well thought out or is it more so i'm responding because you know i have to respond now like because i have to get my point across right and i think like that's really important and that was one of the biggest things that i took from intellectual empathy because i could apply that like so well to my own life um and then i went and told all my friends i was like there's you need to know more about like cooperative reasoning you need to know more and so yeah that was like because I, I thought it would be helpful in mental health as well because you know like people have such different views on stuff that it's better to kind of listen than to just jump to an argument and getting your point across. Yeah. Yes, and I was going to add to that, um, that it's, um, even if you're a healthcare professional, um, no, sorry, I actually don't want to go there. Um, I would say that when you apply these in the um, cooperative reasoning, which is the idea that you're trying to find common ground, rather than winning, you know, you're having a conversation uh, to reach a consensus. Um, and I see it a little bit, you were speaking and I was having this, I have this um, word coming up a lot, uh, the idea of a gift. The conversation is a gift that is um, you give and you receive. 
right? And it has to be balanced. It's, it's always a gift. People are taking the time to explain something to you. You're giving your time. Uh, and we need to honor that. But what I wanted to say is when you start applying this, um, we get out of ourselves. And I think that has implications for mental health. Uh, I think mental health issues, problems, derive a lot from feeling lonely, from feeling isolated from others, mm -hmm. uh, from spending too much time thinking about your problems. <laughs> okay uh, and thinking oh nobody else has problems when you start listening and opening up it's like your ego goes a bit to, a bit to the back burner you know it's it's not all about you it's just listen to others you know there's a whole world out there and i think that's probably positive in terms of mental health but again i'm not an expert but in my 48 years of living i kind of think the more, when I try to help other people and I'm focused on others, I don't have mental health issues. Am I making sense for you, Ashita? You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes, no, I completely agree. It's kind of like seeing that, oh, this person is also facing things, you know, like everybody is, everybody is having problems, I guess, you know, it's not just you and I guess that's another way for you to connect with someone. Um, seeing that there is some common ground, perhaps not the same, but like, in the same emotional region yes and it validates that you can have issues too for sure but what it does as well is it gets you a little bit of a, a respite i think it's the word um a little bit of a break from your problems and um when you have a break you're a little bit of time away from thinking about your problems you probably get a better vision you're not in them you get away you come back later and you can see it more clearly you know you get some distance um that makes sense to me too yeah kind of like when you're you know writing an exam right you're focused on a question and you say i'll come back to it and then the second yeah. time you come to it you understand it a little better because you spent yeah. time not thinking so much about it yes it's it's kind of when you're uh, let me see uh, if you're in the forest, another image, <laughs> right? And you're under a very big tree and you, you don't have a good idea of, of uh, how that tree compares to others, what the forest looks like. Um, not sure if this is a, probably your, yours is a better analogy, but just imagine you get out of the forest and you get somebody to take you on a balloon and you can see that tree and the other trees around yeah. the context. And so you gain, you start to understand your problems are relative, you know, you can kind of, yeah, it's a problem, but it's not that big of a problem. It's not, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I did better than you though with this. <laughs> I think yours was better. <laughs> no, I like yours too, because yours can be branched out to even, you know, there's not just one forest there's so many forests, right? So yeah. going higher up, you can see, oh, this is my community of people facing a certain issue. Here's another community facing another issue, right? Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a good example as well. <laughs> yes, and when, you know, imagine the tree is a problem. When yeah. you get distance, then you can see what are the things that are causing the problem mm -hmm. more clearly, I think, than when you're in the middle of it. Yes. Um, yes. 
yes being I able to that, see the whole tree basically yeah and 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 how it connects to other things that you might sometimes we have a problem uh i'm not doing something right okay this is we are all egocentric which is natural <laughs> right we are mm -hmm. uh but sometimes it's not our fault that we are not doing something right does that make sense sometimes yeah. what people ask you to do is is wrong <laughs> for you or sometimes you don't have the right tools or the right environment and unless you step back a little bit you think the problem is you and it's not you know it's yeah i guess um we were talking about cooperative reasoning this was the idea that kind of getting out of your mind a little bit of your own world to be aware of other worlds that exactly. are out there yeah yes did you want to touch on maybe um so while we were talking i actually thought a little bit more about mutual vulnerability as well because um i know that was kind of like kind of admitting to our own biases and like saying that you know perhaps i have a bias against something i think that's also really big in healthcare as well um being able to know that you may have certain biases that perhaps are implicit right that you don't know that you have but you could have um i think that's also a part of mental health too because just mental health in general, it's become such a like recent topic that people have all of a sudden started bringing up and the stigma is going down, but there is still stigma there. And a lot of communities don't even talk about it because you know they say it's you know, this big thing, we're not gonna talk about it, it's bad, right? So perhaps you know if someone comes from that background, they may still see it that way, even if it's implicit. So I think like, I don't know, like what, what do you think? <laughs> Yes, um, as you speak, I'm kind of going to several examples, several different specific contexts. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea of mutual vulnerability, as you said, is kind of recognizing that each one of us has blind spot biases yes. and so on. But it, there's something else, uh, which is recognizing that when you enter a discussion on difficult topics, uh, there's a big risk of uh offending or being yes. offended yes so it, th there's a the mutual vulnerability part also connects to that and so when you enter a conversation and all the parties are aware of this vulnerability i think people are more compassionate and kinder to each other and they recognize how brave each person is to just be in the conversation just be willing to talk about as you say mental health just be willing to talk about and listening is a big thing because people can get hurt exactly um, so um definitely healthcare professionals should have these conversations amongst them you know if you are in a therapeutic uh, relationship you're probably not going to do that with your patient right but you're right it's important to for people to have these conversations, recognize their biases and how they can improve, for sure. Um, and then in terms of um, a personal side of things that we mentioned as well, for our own mental health, when you, I, again, similar to cooperative reasoning, you can have deep conversations with people. You can establish deep connections as human beings. Uh, we spend so much time pretending 
pretending that we're better than we are, pretending so many things. And I think this mutual vulnerability brings it to a level of you know, we're just fallible, um, imperfect human beings, and that is fine, you know. And so you feel less lonely, you feel less lonely, you um even if you have the same problems, you do have people around you, you have meaningful, genuine good connections with others for sure which has immense impact on mental health i believe did you notice that that your relationships um you know trying to apply some of these principles they've improved or they got stronger yeah i think um like just opening up to someone and having them open up to you um about perhaps conversations you know you never thought you could discuss with someone else does open up that level of trust um, and allows you to kind of see that there's more out there and there's people who are perhaps facing the same thing or even people that are like willing to just listen to you and understand you. And I think that's like a big part of uh, mental health therapy as well is just like knowing that if you're willing to open up and someone else is willing to open up, you can get so much from that interaction too. And that it's not all about, you know, medicalizing the whole thing, but it's also about just having conversations and being able to understand the other person. I think that's kind of what, um, I mean, I don't want to say that's something that society lacks, but like, I, that's how I feel. I feel like, personally, I feel like that's something that everyone needs to work on is just being able to just listen to someone, right? Because I think that can do a lot for mental health. And I've had podcasts on just, you know, talking about how you can just open up and speak to someone and just have that um, safe space where you know it's 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 just normal right you just have a nice conversation and that'll help you yes uh but it's not just you saying that um society is lacking that that so there's lots of people sociologists or philosophers uh with some of those um that talk about that we have the social media we have so much communication but is getting us close to people who are far away and it's getting us distant from people who are near which yeah. is a very big you know it, it, so you cultivate superficial relationships but you don't cultivate meaningful solid um deep relationships deeper and um relationships that last you know it's not one off that yeah. you're not never going to see that you know you build you build trust trust takes time exactly and um um and then i completely forgot what i was going to say next um oh yes sorry i have a couple of friends or at least one specific friend who would say i don't need a therapist i need a good friend and you know to some degree i think maybe he's right i think people um everything happened so fast from when i was young to you guys <laughs> i'm kind of a gen 20 years older, uh, 20 something, but doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. And I think it changed so much and so quickly because we did not have all this, I did not have all these distractions. So we had to spend time somehow and we were calling each other on the phone that you still had to wait for the numbers to come, right? Um, but now you have so much, we get so distracted, nobody takes the time to listen to you. You know, it's very problematic. So mm -hmm. we do need this more. 
rather than having people, I don't know, 1,000 people liking your picture, just go out and spend an afternoon with a friend. You know, you'll have that friend to help you in times where you need support and uh, Facebook is not going to give you that. Yeah, that's, that's a very momentanea, very um, fugash, okay? I'm having a language <laughs> issue here. It's very quick. It disappears in a, in a It's very temporary. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. No, that's that's exactly how I feel too. It's just it's and it's hard. It's it's easier to I guess say than do, but it is hard to kind of go out there and form those relationships, but I feel like sometimes they're right there. They're right there for you to to form them. Um and it's all about just kind of stepping outside of social media and into real you know real life and i think i think all of us um and i i definitely include myself in that we are all longing for a you know a few good friends we are lonely um and so if everybody is what's the problem what's what's keeping us from doing it and um, I think one of the problems is the stigma of not having friends. <laughs> Does that make sense? We, if we say, oh, I don't have any friends, you can, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But I don't think anyone has many, if you, you know, a friend, a real friend, not somebody you can talk and you say hi, you know, a real friend. I don't think people have that many anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I think like when I look at my own like sort of friendship group, um, I guess size, trajectory from just high school to now um i can say definitely that it is quant it's quality over quantity for sure like you know you have those two or three friends that you know will be there no matter what and it's not about sure you don't maybe don't you don't talk every day but you know that when you need them or they need you you two will be there right um and you know distance won't make a change or the lack of communication through social media will not make a change but just you you will know and those i think relationships are the ones that are like harder to find and take longer to form um but there are less of them for sure yes like it's it's you don't have like a circle of 20 people or 30 people right um or as many that would like your picture <laughs> but, yes yeah. but if we didn't spend so much time on facebook facebook is for old old people like me so i'm <laughs> sure you use other stuff now instagram isn't is it instagram yeah i think i think it's i mean i, I know people still use facebook but like facebook? instagram is okay. usually the one where people you know they're like oh i got this many likes and things like that and then you get depressed yeah <laughs> i mean i do like to receive happy birthday on my birthday i always try to have more likes than the year before which never happens um, but uh but if we didn't spend so much time on social media maybe we have time to form new relationships it, it does take investment you know it does take time as you say and experiences and so on but they're worthwhile they are. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Is there anything, anything else, else to cover? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> no, I think, I think this is a great place to leave it. I think it's just kind of that overall message that, you know, I think intellectual empathy allows you to think deeper um, and reflect on not just uh, your relationships, but just yourself and society, right? And I think like that's kind of where I wanted this conversation to go and I think um, you did a great job like bringing it there <laughs> well we we did but um I guess I can just say something that I'm not sure if it was I don't think I've emphasized that 
-hmm. is that this intellectual empathy has definitely two sides. Mm -hmm. One is the need for us to work on ourselves. So right. personal development, acknowledge a few things that we have to acknowledge in order to be ready. And uh, um, it also, it's still personal, I guess it's still individual, but um, you have to read, you have to know, you have to understand somebody who's different. You, you have to inform yourself, the information is out there. You need to know about racism, you need to know about sexism. You need to, to fill in the gaps that you have identified that you have okay and documentaries films i as you know i like to take you to ted talks uh, there's so many people who are experts in in these matters uh, so i do think we have the responsibility the duty the obligation to develop ourselves as people uh, and to develop our knowledge we don't need a grade right we shouldn't do something just because you got a grade just do it because you really have to know a bit better how the world works and also that we are not ignorant. Um, does it matter? You know, it makes you a better person. Nobody's going to clap you, but it will be good for everybody, including yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. And especially in like, I know recently I've been seeing a lot more information being a lot more accessible. Um, like I'm going to bring up Instagram again, but <laughs> I've noticed that recently, as soon as something happens um, in terms of like society, if something happens, there's like a million posts telling you what has happened, um, giving you all that information. It's so, so accessible. Like it's right there. Right. So if it's, if it's something like that is accessible to you, I feel like, yeah, you do have the responsibility to learn more and to, gain insight on it and that's kind of what this podcast was uh initially made for right it was to get more people to become more aware on topics that nobody really talks about right um because now that information's out there and they can listen and they can learn so yeah and, and social media i i talked about social media as a terrible thing but to be honest there are good things to it and and you do get lots of resources podcasts, you know, lots of indication of things you, you can uh, listen to and engage with, for sure. It's not all bad. Yes, you're right. Um, a lot of things get publicized in that way. Um, if we take the time. Problem is everybody's going, you know, like that, too quick. What's the next post? And that's a shame because uh, these issues, they do take a little bit of time. It's not something, and it's not, might, you might have uh, things that are more fun to do, uh, so it's uh, difficult, you know, it's competing against our need to have immediate gratification, you know, to feel good quickly. And then it goes in a minute. It's like having egg and dance. <laughs> I still have egg and dance, but you know, after a while, it's not, it's not fulfilling. Yeah. Good. Um, yes, I'm going to let you conclude. All right. Um, well, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the show and for giving us this really nice, um, not even definition, but just like really good explanation of how we can apply intellectual empathy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it needs to be something that we need to raise awareness on. And so I'm glad that you were on the show to do that because you've always kind of been, ever since I took that class, you've been like that intellectual empathy mentor to me. So I've been like, you know, Carla will come on the show and she will like tell us more. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Ishita. I, I appreciate all opportunities to talk about this because I think it's extremely important. 
And I don't think my friends have patience to listen to me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just happy to talk about that. I would recommend if people want to know more, it's a book. She's a philosopher, but with so many examples from practical situations, I would recommend maybe um, trying to read the book, Intellectual Empathy, Critical Thinking for Social Justice. If everybody could improve a little bit, the world would be so much better. I have no doubt about it. You know, that's we can change ourselves. We can change others, but we can change ourselves. So go for it. Yes. Yeah, let's make this a better place for everybody. Yes. Why not? Life is beautiful. And I think that's a beautiful way to conclude it. So yes, thank you once again. Okay. All right. And with that, I think we're gonna conclude this episode. Once again, thank you so much um, for sharing your knowledge on intellectual empathy. I hope all of the listeners gain something new and learn something new from this episode. Thank you always for supporting us and listening to this podcast. Let's make a change together, even when we're apart. That's it for me, folks.